Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, here we are in the second week of Advent, and the Lord really, through the scriptures, is inviting us to savor and feel in our own body the promises of God, so to get excited and desirous about them. And then the second thing he's doing is he's also letting us know that the fulfillment of promises always comes with a sacrifice. Namely, the sacrifice to let go of our ways and allow God's ways to take over. So there's promises that are really beautiful and exciting. And then there's a very firm reminder that fulfillment of promises comes about through a sacrifice. We could think of all the weddings we've been to. They've promised to be with each other in good times and bad, sickness and health. Love you and honor you all the days of my life. Beautiful promises. They're going to be fulfilled, but it takes great sacrifice to live those out in a way that is honoring and beautiful. So, let's start with the promises of God because they're very, very beautiful. He says this strange promise. The wolf shall be the guest of the lamb. And he goes on a couple ways like this. The wolf and the lamb are going to be each other's guests. Oh, come on in. Be my guest. There's going to be a graciousness towards our enemies. This is the promise he's holding out, is that enemies will be so reconciled that there will be graciousness and welcome. What will pervade their relationship will be nothing but loving compassion, generous forgiveness, and a deep union Because they will be reconciled. They'll be brought back together. And he goes through all these things. Different animals. And then he talks about a child. uh, A baby will play by the cobra's den. Absolutely unthinkable. Except with God. God's making these promises and he uses animals and things to show the sense that This is the prophet Isaiah, that when Jesus comes, he's interested in reconciling the whole of creation back to God's original plan. Remember, when God speaks to us and God looks at us, he doesn't see you and me the way you and I see you and I. He sees us in terms of the whole story. Of a story that he originally wanted us to be in a paradise where all of creation was dripping with the good news that God is a loving Father and He wants beauty and goodness to permeate every aspect of us. And He wanted us to recognize deep in our own hearts that we are made in His image and likeness with great dignity and an immense sacredness and that we get to participate in His own cultivating of the world. Sin enters the story by lying to us. The serpent says, God's not a loving father. What looks like good is really him getting you to trust him, but he's not interested in helping you flourish. He's against you, not for you. So Adam and Eve got scared. They no longer trusted, and they grasped at the forbidden fruit. 
We get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And now we're in this world where everything is competing. It's not sheer gift. It's count the cost. Tick for tack. And there's enemies. And so this world that was meant to feel deeply like a home, deeply like a built-in promise that all the beauties of this world was going to lead us to the glories of the next, now this world is full of pain, hurt, regret, and enemies. And into that, God is saying, I will reconcile things. I will recreate, recreate. How? Well, through the promised one, through Jesus. And so he will reconcile us. Not just, oh, I get along with my family again. That's a big part of the promise. But that I will taste the very goodness of God's original plan. I will start to see why he looked upon everything and said it's very good. I will begin to see and hear. And not only that, I will realize I'm invited to be a part of the mission. He doesn't want to do it excluding me. He wants you and me involved in this mission of recreating the world. Imagine. Imagine being reconciled to those who have hurt you. Not in some trite way, but because they, the other party, and you have discovered a deep sense of forgiveness, compassion, and a mutual commitment to only pursue what is good, beautiful, and holy. You could become allies again. This touches on every one of our stories because all of us knows what it's like to have been hurt. And this is where John the Baptist comes in. He says, do you like the promises of God of total recreation? you like the promises of God of paradise? you like the promises of God of a new heaven and a new earth? you like the promises of God where you can actually flourish and not just survive? Well, John the Baptist says, well, before you can participate in Jesus' loving, transforming power, he says, I need you to repent. And this is that sacrificial part of the gospel. When we hear repent, we tend to hear stop doing immoral things. That's how we hear that word. But the word is much richer than that. That's an aspect, but it's much deeper than that. It's much closer to saying, will you come out of your hiding place? How do we hide? I don't know about you, but If I get hurt, I hide behind anger and justification. Maybe as time goes on, that anger and justification will turn into gossip, getting other people to see that person the way I now see them, not with the eyes of truth and love, but out of my own pain and hurt, so that other people can join me, and therefore I can be justified in my anger. Or perhaps your hiding place is something like, just minimizing or shutting down. It's fine. I'm so sorry. No, you know what? It's fine. Just, I don't want things to matter too much because if there really is good and evil, then that really was bad and I have to actually deal with the fact that a family member really hurt me or a coworker really is that mean or my neighbors really are that much against my views. 
So John the Baptist says, if you want to experience the consoling love and transforming healing power of Jesus, he goes, that's meant to touch you somewhere and touch me somewhere. Particularly in the places we hide. The places that really did hurt that badly. And now you can understand why our culture does not want to deal with John the Baptist around the month of December. Candy canes and gingerbread houses are perfect. Great distractions, buying toys and all these great fun distractions. And there's nothing wrong. These aren't evil things. They're they're beautiful and fun to be sacrificial and generous to others. It's a good thing. But when it's done so that we don't have to deal with what's resonating deep inside, it's just the newest toy to distract us. Here's a third place we could hide, behind our religion. Let me make a distinction here. Authentic Catholicism is a life-giving, living relationship with the Trinity that is holy and beautiful. Religion, oftentimes, is the man-made version, imitation of that. Where I hide behind my religious activities so that God doesn't have to have access to the fact that I'm still mad that my dad walked out on me or my mom was an alcoholic or my first dating relationships were so painful or my memories in college of what I was like I don't want to ever have to deal with or the divorce I went through is still embarrassing to me and I have a scarlet letter on me or just little things like I'm just cynical and angry ever since COVID and politics really took off and became our country's gods. Like I don't want to have to deal with that because then I'm going to be so broken And the number one reason we don't want to deal with our brokenness is out of a fear. If I really am a sinner, if I really am broken, why would anyone want to be around me? Why would anyone love me? Because I wouldn't love me. And this is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is, he says, I really do think you're broken and a sinner. And I say, come to me. I really know underneath all of that, at times, cynicism and hardness and unforgiveness and anger is a heart that's really hurting and hoping and longing, and yet it's so dangerous to live out of that place because you know you're going to get hurt. And he says, I never will hurt you. The mystery of life and sin in this world will hurt you, but I will always be for you. For you in the sense of building you up in holiness to know God as a Father and life in the Holy Spirit so you can go out to others and tell them the actual good news. Which is that no one else's behavior towards you ever has to define or determine the beauty flowing out of your heart. And so you and I come on Sundays and we receive the Eucharist. Some of you come to daily Mass and it's a beautiful thing. We may get the conscience cleanser of, hey, I went to Mass on Sunday. I'm doing pretty good with my life. That's not a bad place to start. But do you know that Eucharist is meant to touch you somewhere? The place where we feel most scared and young and little and inadequate 
and full of fear and need and desire all at once, that's where he wants to go with the power of his death and resurrection so that we can open up our wounds to him who was wounded for us and then he can flood us with the good news that there's life on the other side. And so since this week we're given the promise of total reconciliation, perhaps in this time of silence I'm going to give us, you can ask the Lord, who in my life do I need to begin the process of forgiving? It's not a choice. It's not like, "Mm -mm, there, I forgave him. It is a journey, and God is way more patient than you and I, so he's not the one trying to hurry you along. And maybe today all you can say is to the Lord is, Lord, I know so-and-so is who you want me to forgive. But your arms are kind of folded. You're like, that's all I'm going to say though today. Great. At least you got very honest with the Lord and you have a sense of where he wants to talk and heal and free you so you can be like him offering divine compassion. Or maybe for you, it's a matter of, Lord, 50 people came to mind great. That's areas where your heart has been hidden. Unforgiveness makes us feel strong. And so we don't have to feel the nervousness of entering into these relationships again. But God will never bring us to our fulfillment apart from us. He's not going to drag us into glory, kicking and screaming. He honors us and our freedom. So he'll invite, he'll remind you of his beauty but he'll never force because he loves you. And so let us be disciples. Let us be disciples who are, as St. Ignatius of Loyola says, loved sinners and not be ashamed that every one of us has places that need a Savior and a Redeemer. And Advent is meant to help us get deep in touch with these places so we actually have the truth of Christmas that a Savior and a Redeemer is born for us. Amen.